Sinister Myth, How Stories We Tell Perpetuate Violence. This podcast challenges cultural mythologies about sexuality in the West, because so often they encourage, perpetuate, or foster violences against women and minorities. It is supported by an Ohio State Affordable Learning Exchange grant and is created by Zoe Brigley-Thompson and Brendan Walsh. Sinister Myth is produced by Alex Amater, Deborah Eschen, Paul Kotheimer, and Mackenzie Warren. All opinions expressed are solely those of Sinister Myth producers and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of The Ohio State University. Not many people are familiar with the artist's spoken word poetry. Most, when they think of poetry, think of Robert Frost or Emily Dickinson or other poets whose work lives solely on the page. There is, however, a large and ever-growing side of poetry called spoken word poetry, which is not synonymous with slam poetry, contrary to popular belief. And in spoken word poetry, just like poetry meant for the page, it's pretty much anything goes when it comes to the topic. But in spoken word, because it is a performance art as well as a written one, we do tend to stick to pieces about heavy topics. So struggles with mental illness, grief, loss, and what I'd like to address today, sexual assault and violence against women. Most of these topics are met with snaps and claps and at the moment virtual slaps on the back. But a lot of the time, the pieces about violence against women are met with uncomfortable looks and even a few eye rolls, especially if the host is a man. Obviously, this is not the case with all male hosts, maybe not even most, but I have personally received comments after performing the piece I'm about to do for you today, comments about how my story must have been an exaggeration because, quote, no cop would act like that, end quote. I even had one male follower assure me that my story must be fake because I believe his exact words were, who'd ever want to rape a fat ginger like you? Because of reactions like these, some women in the community are reticent to speak out about this topic, especially when it comes to sharing personal experiences. And I understand that and in no way do I judge them for that reticence. But some of us, at least some of us, must speak out. If someone hears my story, maybe that will help them know that they're not alone. They'll know it wasn't their fault. And they'll know that there's a whole community of people there to support them if they need it. The piece I'll be doing today is called Smile. It does obviously carry a heavy trigger warning for sexual assault. I should have run. I should have fought. I shouldn't have done what he wanted. I should have spotted the danger a mile away. I shouldn't have gone jogging at night. I shouldn't have been wearing headphones. I shouldn't have been in my own mind. I should have been mindful of my surroundings. I should have paid attention to people paying attention to me. I should have stayed sober. I watched my drink, but I drank too much. I did say no, but I should have said it louder. I should have pushed him away. I shouldn't have been afraid. But we are programmed to be afraid of men who follow us home. Men who take away our choice. Men who take away our autonomy. Men who think it's their right to take what they wish. And I am wishing that I had resisted more. I should have run. I should have fought. I wanted to flee. I wanted to avoid at all costs what was about to happen to me, but I was glued to the spot, afraid and alone, trapped in his apartment without access to a phone. And then 
He let me go. And before you ask, well, why didn't you report it? I did, and here's pretty much how it went. I stood there for far too long, trying to explain to a grown man in blue what the word consent means and why it had been missing in this particular situation. He made a comment about my drinking and the fact that I may have been drunk. I thought back to that night, and yes, I'd had some drinks, but I remember the whole thing like it was still happening, and in a way it was still happening. Here was another man, denying my rejection, misbelieving my words, and questioning my actions. I thought, maybe he's right. Did I do or say anything that made it seem like I wanted to be there? Maybe he's right. But then I snapped out of that spiral, and I realized I should not have been surprised. I should have known better. I know how society reacts when a woman cries rape. It's funny. When a man says no as a response to the accusation, his word is believed. But when a woman says the same word to protect herself, her skin, her body, her mind, her everything, then we doubt her truth. We doubt the fact she even said it at all, so we shouldn't be surprised. We know what to expect. They think it's our fault because we drink too much or do something reckless. That's why all of us know we should always meet a date in a very public place. Check your back seat. Pretend to be on the phone if someone is following. Hold your keys between your fingers like Wolverine's claws. Don't go jogging at night. Oh, and the safest thing to do is to try and keep a smile on our face to be respectful. While the consistent fear floods us and floats in front of our minds, this was just one time. I am just one woman, an example of many far too many, whose bodies and spirits have been first bent and then broken. We have to realize that we are just objects to be desired. We are just there for their pleasure. And no matter how loud your no may be, there is always going to be someone out there who won't take you seriously and they will keep going. They want to put you in your place. So watch your drink. Don't jog at night. And most importantly, Keep a smile on your face.